This is about humans dreaming together. About humans supporting each other on our journeys. It's about the science and the art behind making our dream lives a reality. To the students of life. The young and the curious. The dreamers and the doers. To those who crave to be a strong individual. And want to be part of something bigger than themselves. Welcome. 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 Welcome to the Dreamology Podcast. Hello, my fellow dream chasers, entrepreneurs, hustlers, and people out there who are on a mission to be the best version of themselves. This is your host, Tim Bishop. Welcome back to the Dreamology Podcast. On this show, as you know, if you are a repeat listener, we are here studying the science and the art behind making our dream lives a reality. The world is a more complex place than it has ever been, and these are strange times. And you know what I've learned through my short life is that the societal lessons that we are being taught and what we're learning in school is not quite getting it done for teaching people how to live in this modern world and truly how to make the modern American dream a reality. And so that's why we're here. That's what we're up to. We're trying to help as many people as possible navigate this this crazy, crazy world. And one of the ways we are doing that is bringing on incredible guests. And so let's meet today's guest, Andrew Metz. All right, so quick summary of Andrew Metz's resume. He is the regional vice president of a company in Milwaukee he's been working at for 12 years. He's a public speaker, he's a content creator, a father, a husband. And the coolest thing about Andrew, in my opinion, is that he really just talks about look, we're all human, we all have flaws, and the reality is, is that. We got one life to live, and it's, it's maybe sound corny a bit when I say it like that, I'm realizing, but you know, he, he really pushes for being someone that you're proud of, living a life that you're proud of, and it wasn't always that way for him. You know, He talks about his personal struggles, uh, gaining weight with alcohol, and different, you know, just again, very human things that we all go through, and he talks about a certain point in his life where he realized you know, he wanted to be someone he was proud of. He wanted to be someone his kids could be proud of. And he just kind of made that a big part of his mission and his life. And so, you know, we just talk about a lot of really sound concepts here, right? Things like if you don't like the chapter of your life you're on today, you can always start a new one tomorrow. Like I mentioned, being someone you are proud of. And another thing we talked about was just not thinking the world owes you anything, but asking how you can serve the world, right? In your early 20s. Not thinking things should happen fast, but again, how do you become significant? How do you provide value? How do you help serve this world? And that's how you're going to get most of the things that you want in life. And so I'm really excited to share this conversation with you. So let's just get to it. Here's Andrew Metz. All right, everybody, dream chasers out there. We got Andrew Metz on the show today. Andrew, how you doing, man? I'm good. Thank you very much for having me, Tim. Beautiful. Well, uh, before we dive too deep into other topics, I feel like I want to just get a two-second rundown, man. It's been a crazy, uh, a crazy year. How you been yes. holding up? How's work from home been going for you? And uh, just how is how is the general energy going on over in your life right now? You know, it's um, it's there's pros and cons, but I've I worked for the same company going on 12 years, and I travel quite a bit uh, as a sales leader, but. When I'm not traveling, I go into the office because we're based in Milwaukee. Um, so for 12 years, I went into an office, almost 12 years. And uh, the last four months, I've worked from home. I have three kids under the age of eight. Uh, I had two of them come in during an interview I was running an hour ago to say someone hurt their foot. <laughs> you know, and it's like my 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 wife was rocking my, my two-year-old daughter upstairs. And so we're juggling life, man. But, you know, people understand um, – you know, one, one of kind of my big kicks is like, we're all people with feelings and situations and there's a level of professionalism we got to bring to the corporate space, but we're also not corporate robots, you know? So mm. that's been a juggle. Um, COVID has been a juggle, but there's been some pros. I've seen my kids a lot more, been able to spend time, you know, midday or, you know, at four o'clock when usually four or five, when I started my 30 minute commute home, I'm already kind of out shooting hoops with my eight-year-old or taking my six-year-old to the park. So there's some positives. Um, so yeah, man, it's like, 
we're, we're taking it in stride and I'm kind of like every time something crazy happens, there's, you know, there's situations where sometimes it sucks, but there's also, you know, three good things we could take from it. And I probably got 20 good things I could take from this. So yeah. Kind of look at it positively. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, I feel like everybody has had their own different thing, you know, on a, on a, a spectrum of, of, you know, obviously some people have passed away in this time. Yep. Some people have lost their jobs. Some people have yep. just learning to adapt to a new environment. So a lot of hardships, but a lot of lessons out of all this. And, and then, yeah, I mean, obviously we were just talking about this before we started, but you know, for me, uh, cause I've just been, had the fortune of being able to crash at my parents' place through all this. So luckily I didn't have to have as much financial stress. Maybe some people would, but right. You know, COVID I thought was interesting because you know, it's something that we can't control. I mean, we can to an extent wear a mask, stay in, but it's such this broad, you know, unknown virus. Yep. And then what hit me harder, honestly, in the last couple months is, you know, the, obviously being from Minneapolis, the George mm-hmm. Floyd killing, and now all of this stuff is being brought to my attention that yep. I just missed. And a lot of people missed beforehand. And that hit me harder because I was like, man, I could have been controlling this for a long time and I haven't yet. And so I know we just touched on this, but you know, how has that been hitting you? I know that Milwaukee is a big segregated city Yes, and uh, you're big on leadership and uh, just being part of the change you want to see. And so, you know, what kind of things has that spurred on in your life um, to start taking action on? Yeah. I mean, I think similar there, there's been a lot of humbling moments, a lot of like uncomfortable conversations. And, and to me, you know, that's nothing to be ashamed of. That's just growth. Um, and I've talked to black leaders in Milwaukee. I've been, I've been invited to sit at the table with my friend, Dylan Ali, who's, who's, you know, linked me up with a group that he's got called the Onyx project here in Milwaukee. And it's just like, if people know I'm coming from a good place and I'm here to learn and I, and I have their best interests um, mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm coming from a place of love. I, I think people are very open to having those conversations. And um, you know, I, I had a really good, um, meeting a couple of weeks ago with some, with some leaders, uh, of different colors. And it was, it was so wild. We, we, there's about 20 of us total, all different, you know, men, women, black, white, brown, uh, just all, uh, all different diversity. And, um, people were walking by and we did it in kind of, um, uh, the heart of heart of the city. We did it outside kind of in a plaza area of a, of a, of a shopping area there in Milwaukee. And, you know, people stop by people. What one guy sat in for a while, one guy watched for an hour and he's like, Hey, I got to go. But I just want to tell you, I think it's so beautiful. You guys are having this conversation. And I think mm. some horrible things happening, obviously. And, and a lot of things are becoming to the surface, but it's always like, how do we react to these moments? Right. It's like something bad yeah. happens, shit, it happened, but how do we react? Right. And I think if, if, if that put me in that situation and now I can bring that knowledge, that empathy to my organization, I'm a better leader for my organization. I'm a better leader as a person. I can understand a little more. Um, you know, one of the gentlemen there said, you know, it's okay if you don't know these things, maybe you've never had these conversations, but you're learning and that's good. You know, and I think that's kind of the place mm-hmm. I'm coming from. I, I've always treated leadership like meet them where they are you know, don't assume they know anything. I mean, another thing I think a lot about is expectations. Like I could, I could have really high expectations of myself, but I could have low expectations of everyone else. And, and I'm just going to meet them where they are. Maybe, maybe they'll, maybe they'll rise to the occasion and impress me with their knowledge or understanding or skill set or whatever I'm looking for in that situation. And maybe they won't, but if they don't, if I'm a leader, I'm there to help educate, be patient, listen, and, move them along. Mm. If I've done mentorship with a lot of young people in Milwaukee, just, you know, I started at a tech company in Milwaukee almost 12 years ago. We had hundred employees. Now we have 550. I've been in a sales leadership capacity for seven or eight years. And, you know, you meet, you meet young, young professionals where they're at. And, you know, mm. I always view what their gap in knowledge, whether it be, you know, I mean, we're talking about diversity and inclusion, but whether it be sales skills or, you know, life skills or whatever. Hey, that's an opportunity for me to help this person learn something if, if they're not quite where I'm at. And, and by the way, I learned all my stuff from a mentor 10 mm. years earlier. Right. So it's kind of yeah. that 
pay it forward? What do, what do you expect them to know? So to kind of wrap it back up to what you were talking about, I think this is just a great opportunity for us to tear down some of these walls that have been up because we haven't talked about it and just mm -hmm. go have candid conversations. And, you know, you, you, you you're never going to lose if you, if you're actively listening and seeking to understand. And that's kind of the approach I've taken. Yeah. Yeah. And it's in the, you know, the, the message I took there was like, you know, we can be leaders in areas of our life and other areas of our life. We can be the ones who are behind, you know, in this case, uh, being white men, you know, it's like, well, we clearly had some, some learning to do, right. There was maybe there was Af there's black leaders and there was leaders of color that had to do the teaching for us. And then we can pass it on once we learn that information. And so it's, that's the cycle of life, man. And I love your openness and your vulnerability to admit that, that you needed to just sit and listen and be a part of these conversations. I think that's a, a super powerful man. So I love that. So let's, uh, I want to dive into your uh, story a bit now, your background and, uh, you know, get all the details on your life. And so, you know, one of the big things that drew me to you is that, um, you know, I just based off seeing your story is that you kind of had this just, I, I mean, I don't know what you want to call it, but this middle part of your life where you just felt like your habits weren't there you were drinking a lot, you weren't exercising. And I know you've mentioned to me too, that like, this wasn't like your whole life. This was like, when you were in high school, you were, you know, star athlete. And there was just a part of time where you kind of fell into maybe just bad habits and a bad part of your life. And so I'm curious on first off to get the backstory, like, why do you feel like that happened? Why do you feel like you went from being this athlete, this kid who was in good shape doing things and you kind of let yourself slip uh, into a place where you didn't really want to be in? Yeah, I think, um, you know, I've had success in my life in different areas, but it's kind of hard to get like everything going at the same time. <laughs> and that, <laughs> that might be like, cause even when my health was shitty and I drank every day and I, I didn't exercise, I still make a lot of money for a young person. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, how do you define success and really mm. what do you prioritize? And, and mm. I had a big status and I drove a nice car and I had a nice family and, you know, all those things that, that might be important to some people, or maybe that's what I valued at the time. Um, and, and I think some of it is just, you know, some of it's focus. Um, I, one of the things I said in a, in a post that, that I still think about was um, there was a point in time where I took care of the, took care of the people around me, those being my, you know, salespeople at work that, that I led my, my immediate family of three children, you know, my wife, but I didn't take care of myself you know, and it's, and it's that thought process of you can give, 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 but if you're depleting yourself, you can't, you know, you can't give what you don't have. And so, you know, there's, there's just moments of reflection that a lot of small habits lead up to something. Hmm. And, um, I know you talk about dreaming and, and, and transformation and, um, I was a good athlete in high school. You wouldn't, you wouldn't believe me if you saw me, I'm, I'm short and not that strong, <laughs> but I was, I was pretty quick. Although I've been showing off my long jumping skills on LinkedIn. Um, I did, I did successfully long jump that kiddie pool, by the way, that's in my Instagram story. But, um, <laughs> but you know, it's like you're voted, you know, me and me and three other in, in my, in my high school graduating class of 360, we were voted best, best athletes. And, you know, all those people went under to do college sports and were, were very good athletes. So I had some clout or, or had some accolades and, you know, it was running the, it was running the corporate 5k and I got halfway around kind of at the midway point and I'm finding myself with a side ache kind of walking and I'm like, what, what the hell happened? You know, it was like, hmm. where, where did things go so wrong? And it was just kind of those, those moments that are kind of rock bottom. Um, you know, drinking kind of goes hand in hand with this too, is, I was, I wasn't, no one would have said, oh, Andrew Metz is an alcoholic or he's a binge drinker, or a blackout drinker, but I was a, I was a frequent drinker. And, and as a parent of an eight and six year old boys, you know, one of the things my wife told me after I stopped drinking, she said, I don't want to tell you this to make you feel bad. But my five-year-old at the time said, when I'm a dad, I'm, I'm going to drink, you know, three beers every night, <laughs> you know, and it's that impressionable oh, wow. moments that was just confirmation that, you know, everyone's watching and, you know, we say all these buzzwords like lead by example in the corporate space. Well, shit, that's, that's applicable in the home too. Um, mm. That's applicable when, 
you know, that's applicable on, on, on social media, that's applicable in your community, that's applicable when no one's looking to, you know, so it, it was kind of this, um, you know, I had a couple moments that it was, I'm big into self-esteem and feeling good about yourself. Like my older, I had two older brothers that always gave me shit because they said I was cocky, but you know, <laughs> I was, I was sure of what I was doing and I was confident and I did my own things and I had success and athletics and you know I was undersized but I performed well or you know I was able to be funny or get people's attention because I I was I I was the I was the fourth child in a in a family of six a blended family so I always say I was lost in the shuffle you know you was like <laughs> you had to tap dance or be able to tell a joke or something to get some attention and um so I always had good self-esteem but the 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 gut check for me is you know walk in the 5k you know drinking beer on a Tuesday night and not having satisfaction and just be drinking by yourself. Um, those mm -hmm. moments where you go, are you, are you proud of who you are? Is this who you want your kids to become? You know, if I extrapolate out my activities right now until I'm mm -hmm. 60 years old, what does that look like? Is that someone mm -hmm. that I'm proud of? Um, and, and just being able to start writing a chapter of my life that I'm proud of. And, and I'll tell you what happened. Two things happened. One, I'm on a better trajectory to where I want to be or what I think could be an awesome version of myself at age 50 or 60 or 70. But two, there's a really empowering feeling of controlling that aspect of your life um, mm. to go. I, I remember the day I ran. Um, so I started running after I got my ass kicked in the 5K. I mean, I was like on the second half of the pack. And these aren't professional athletes. These are just corporate <laughs> people. You know what I'm saying? And I'm like... I'm like, damn, my 17-year-old version of myself is would be pretty disappointed right now. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I started running, I think, the next week. And it was about nine months later, I ran in my first half marathon. Um, and I'm currently uh, training to run a full marathon in the fall. And, I, you know, two years ago, if you would have said I was going to run a full marathon in, two, you know, two and a half years, I would have said you're crazy because I could barely run three miles. But I remember that feeling of the first day running four miles. I told my wife, I ran four miles today. I've never done it. And then I remember running five. And then I remember running six. And that mm. feeling that, all right, now you can go run 13 miles and you could do it is very empowering. And it, it, it and it's not, it's not about running anymore. It's just going, you and I talking right now, maybe this is something I wouldn't have done four years ago because it's like, I wouldn't want to put myself out there. I would have been paranoid mm. about like, what would people think? But now you just, I feel like I'm taking more chances because ultimately, you know, it's this, there's a sweet spot in my life. I'm 36 years old where I have enough wisdom under my belt where I feel like I can make a difference in people's life because I have enough life experiences, but I'm also still kind of a young guy in the corporate world. Mm. Um, and, and being sitting, you know, I'm young enough to jump, you know, 12 foot kiddie pools in my backyard. And I like that feeling. I like that, the nimbleness of going, yeah, I can sit in the executive C-suite. And I do that sometimes. I meet with my, you know, we're a 550 person software company. I meet with my CEO once a week in a, in a sales meeting. Um, and I can hold my ground in that conversation, but then I can go talk to, you know, a bunch of kids that are in there. We, I, I oversee our BDR team and it's, you know, mid early mid twenties and mm -hmm. I can go have those conversations and relate with those people. And they're not like, okay, dad, you know, I think, they, <laughs> I don't know, maybe, maybe, maybe my gut's wrong, but I feel like I can kind of talk their talk and hopefully level with them to some degree. Um, and I think that's so, so if that's a sweet spot, it's like, let's go out, use our voice. Let's find a platform like LinkedIn where we can be, you know, helpful and mm -hmm. uh, connect some dots. And that's kind of where I'm at in life right now, but I'm excited for what the future holds too. There's yeah. Better days to come too. Yeah. I mean, I'm 23 and we're, we're getting along. All right. So I think you, you, <laughs> you, you, got, you got the part so good. Yeah. Um, man, a few things I love what you said there. I mean, it's, it's so powerful to honestly ask yourself, like, am I being someone I'm proud of? You know, I feel like that's a really powerful question. And one, one person I love is Mike Posner. I don't know if you know who that is, but he was the musician who sang Cooler Than Me and uh, Pill in Ibiza and these kind of songs, if you know what those are. Okay. But basically, you know, now he's on this big kick too. And he's like, you know, I want to be my own hero kind of thing. Like, I want to be someone that I'm proud of. And I just feel like when you flip that question on yourself, it's, yep. 
powerful because no one's really asking it to you. No one's really saying, Hey, Andrew, are you someone that you're proud of today? Like maybe your wife or, you know, someone really close to you. But besides that, like you're not getting that question a lot. So I love how you kind of flip that script on yourself. And I also love how you just mentioned, I feel like, you know, and this is something that I feel like I, I mentioned before we started here that, you know, my brother's four or five years older than me. And, mm-hmm. and I got to just, I've always been someone who kind of looks ahead and sees, you know, the potential of what can happen if you, if you keep a habit going. And I like how you brought up just, you know, it wasn't like you, you made the choice. It was kind of like these small little things. And eventually you got to a point where you were like, okay, enough's enough. Like it's time for me to flip the script here. And now, you know, like you maybe screwed up for a bit in some areas of your life, but like, again, you're young, you're fresh. Like you said, I mean, it's not like you got time to turn this around. And so I, I just like that mindset shift and how you reflected on that and how you can piece all that together now communicated to me like i feel like just the self-awareness there is is a pretty cool thing you can you can go write a new chapter like that sounds real cliche but like october 11th i started a new chapter where i stopped drinking alcohol you know and saturday will be nine months dry Mm. dry lifestyle and um man it's different it's really different but i got people i got people on linkedin that have barely new, like people from my company that I've had some conversation with go, Hey, I've stopped drinking. You coming out and talking about it was a big deal. And I'm not like, I'm not anti-alcohol. I'm not anti good time, but, but I am, but I am like anti things that aren't serving you. You know, you kind of talked mm. about like, am I proud of myself? Another way to look at it is like, how is this thing serving me? How is not mm. being physically fit serving me? How, how am I a role model or lack thereof to my children? How is drinking mm-hmm. every day? You know, all those kind of things. It's all, it's all, if you call yourself a leader, um, if you, if you don't feel good about yourself, you're kind of fake. You're kind of a fake leader, right? Cause mm-hmm. it starts with, it's that whole, I can't give you what I don't have. So if I have confidence, if I feel good about myself, if I feel good about my decisions, I can empower you to go make better decisions. Mm-hmm. And it's not, it's not bullshit if I'm walking the walk myself. You know what I'm saying? So 100%. It's, it's that gut check of going, are you the real deal? Like, you know, I always, when I used to travel for work, you know, we used to travel a lot when no one's traveling now anymore, but I would always think about that moment where it's like, you could, you could be in a hotel room by yourself. And I'm a guy with, I got chaos going on on the other wall. Cause I got three kids and you know, I got a lively house, but it's like you travel, you get some quiet moments and you could go stare in a mirror for five minutes and go, who am I? Like just, it's just me. I'm the only person in this hotel room. Like who do I really feel good about who I am? My decision-making like Hmm. truly at my soul. Do I feel like I'm a good person? If the answer is yes, then that's, that's an attractive quality. Like a lot of people are looking for that, especially you talk about self-esteem and like you're, you, you mentioned your age, you're a young guy. Like I didn't have, I didn't have a smartphone (laughs) until (laughs) I was 24 I got my first cell phone when I was 21, but we didn't even text on that. We just made phone calls. You know what I'm saying? But like, yeah. I always say, I'm so grateful that I didn't have this addictive dopamine hit craze thing when I was young, because I think it helped my, I think it helped my, um, my presentation skills. Like I'll go to, I'll go to Marquette university. I'll go to UWM. You talked about before we started, like, things that I'm not learning in school. And I try to focus in when I present to college students, here's what, here's what maybe they're not talking about in the curriculum, but these are things you need to know. Mm. But, but like me getting up in front of, uh, I used to get to present at Marquette in front of 250 people. That's a big audience. And yeah. that that's some people get intimidated. And to me, I'm, I'm comfortable in that because I've presented a lot, but that that's kind of becoming a lost art. And that's, that's a lot about, you know, when, when I, when I respond on Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, or I text, I get a lot of time to think about it, but that kind of like that Q and a, like someone's going to ask you a question and you're going to have to answer in front of 200 people mm. that takes, that takes some guts to be able to do that. And, um, I'm not arrogant. I don't think I have all the right answers. I've made mistakes. I'll continue to make mistakes. I'll have failures because I'm going to try things. I'm not going to play everything so safe. And, you know, maybe, maybe some of those Q and A's went poorly. I don't know. But at the, at the same time, it's like, I'm still on the court taking the jump shot at the end of the mm-hmm. game. I'm, yeah. I'm confident enough to do it. And that's, that's worth something, even if you miss the shot. Yeah. And I mean, that's where that self-esteem and, you know, self-love comes in. It's actually funny because your buddy, uh, Dylan, yeah. when I talked to him, we talked a lot about, uh, 
we just had a kind of a phone call to just chat and just get to know each other. And we talked a lot about self-love and what that looks like. Yes. And one of the things we said was just self-discipline. You know, that's a big part of it. And like you said, you know, because actually, funny enough, I'm training for a marathon too. You didn't know nice. that, but I'm actually about a month away. Actually, tomorrow I'm running 20 miles. And so okay. that's going to be good. <laughs> further than I have. But it's the same thing where I wasn't a runner. I mean, I played basketball. I played football. I played, you know, baseball. And I could run. I knew I could run. But without a ball, I felt like I couldn't run. Uh-huh. And one of those things that with running, it's that you know that you're doing it. And you know that you're putting yourself through it. And you know that you're – yesterday it's like 90 degrees and you're stepping out there and you're doing it. And and I, I like that that idea of like, again, the things that you can control, right? You can't always control how your business is going or how – people right. respond to a certain thing you do but what is in your control is those choices you make for yourself did you get yes. up on the stage and did you give it your best are you going out there and doing things that are challenging you are you changing your habits are you and to me that's the same way i'm like if i'm doing those things no matter what's happening i can love myself because i'm i'm doing the things that i know are best for me love that that's awesome and i think that you said discipline like this morning at 5.15 a.m., I woke up to run six miles. I'm not quite on the 20-mile tip yet. I, I, run, I run 11 miles this weekend, so I'm, I'm building my way nice, up. But, like, nice. but to your point, I, didn't, I don't want to run at 5.15, but you know what? Like, I've committed to this thing. And so all that discipline um, you know, creates a lot of, uh, of uh, self-esteem and creates it's, – it's part of the habits that makes us feel good about who we are. Plus – exercising mm. just feels good and it's good for you and it's yeah. healthy for i found i found running to be very meditative and um yeah. you know just kind of that i mean like i said i'm in a i'm i'm always on the phone at work and then i step outside this door and uh, you know it's kids uh which is awesome i love i love my family but it's it's great to have that hour break to go all right i'm gonna go clear my mind kind of a thing and that's important too mm, yeah yeah um so now it's transitioning a bit to, I'm just curious because you mentioned uh, the sales again in the career. I'm, I'm curious, you know, you're 13 years into your career now and you, yep. got, you got a lot of years left. And, uh, you know, at this point, you're, like you said, your influence life's on LinkedIn. You, you got a good sales leadership job, you know, just reflecting on, you know, because I'm 23 and I'm just getting into this whole thing, reflecting on just career evolution and um, maybe just advice for people who are young, just getting into their career. Like what were some things that you would tell yourself, your 23 year old self about just the idea of finding a calling, finding a career you like, and, you know, going through that journey? Well, first of all, yeah, that's a great question. I, I haven't always killed it. And in 2008, before I started at my current company, I was at Oracle as a big company. In fact, my boss was in, in Minneapolis downtown and um, I was about six months in, and this was the 08, 09 recession. They had a big riff, a reduction in force, mm. and I got I got swept up in that. So it was like I was a year out, and, and the story is funny because they let me go on my wife's birthday. So I was uh-huh. married at the time, and I was like, happy birthday. I'm unemployed. <laughs> um, and, and, and the reason I say that is like that – I actually think that was the best thing that could have happened to me because like it was – the thing I thought about a week after I was, I was pissed. I wasn't bitter. I was, I kind of felt like it was a waste of time because I was actually having some success at a, at a Milwaukee company and then I got recruited over and it was like, I just got ramped up. I actually hit my first quota and the quarter was over and they just popped off a bunch of people. And I was one of those. But I remember thinking like a week after I'm like, no one owes me shit. Like no one owes me anything. And I, I've, I still have that mentality. Like, and that goes back to that whole expectation thing. Like when people mm. are, when people are disappointed, when people are sad, they just have too high of expectations of people. They're like, well, I, I shouldn't have been laid off. I should have made more money. I should have done this. And I'm like, I'm always like so grateful to have the opportunity. I'm grateful to make the money I've had. Um, I'm, I, you know, you talked about COVID earlier, like I'm grateful to still have a job and, and, and being at a company that's having success. So to circle back on your original question, once I got settled in at the company that I had no idea was going to be this long of a ride, um, I just had a very humble mentality. I remember, I remember starting on the team. There was, there was about 10 BDRs and we were all cold calling, setting leads for later for people that would run meetings, which was the next job I did. And I remember just thinking, all right, I just got to let go at Oracle. This is a good gig. 
I'm going to be the last person they're going to fire. Like if they're going to fire nine people, mm. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be the last man standing. That was my mentality. And I proved it by effort. I proved it by discipline. Um, and that served me really well. And I got, I, I was very fortunate to be at a company that was at a hundred people in 08. And now it's 550. Like not everyone's on that kind of trajectory, but what I will say is a lot of people came and went during that time. And a lot of people left for better opportunities. Um, air quotes for, for anyone listening that, uh, better opportunities is just a perception. You know, I've, I've never been enamored by shiny objects. Um, I've always looked mm. at what is perceived as a better opportunity, um, to, to give it some perspective and, and try to factor everything in. But, you know, I'm not afraid to, I'm not afraid to stay the course. Like you talked about marathon training, like that's a big commitment. And mm. yeah, every week you're going to have to do a long run and carve out two to, th you know, three hours, whatever to mm. do that run. Um, mm. I like that because one thing I found is pretty universal is, you know, immediate gratification usually is fool's gold. Um, you know, if you're getting some quick, it's, it's, there's, there's not a lot of substance to it. It's, even, even something like my, my kids and I are growing a garden in our backyard and the satisfaction that they get from ripping lettuce out and then making their own little salad is different than being served it at a restaurant, right? Yeah. Cause they got some blood, sweat and tears in, and they've had to go weed it and they've had to, um, you know, water, water that garden and had to go physically, but they saw it from a seed to this. Right. And mm -hmm. so that, you know, for the most part, delayed gratification is a very good thing and being, being mm. patient. So the number one thing I would say is don't assume, you know, anything and, and be willing to be patient because I've mentored a lot of young people that are like, Hey man, I should be making more money. And I say, well, if you, if you, if you can make more money, go out to the free market, go out and see if you can get a job to make more money, then you can go demand more money. But until then, <laughs> you're making what you're making, right? That's what they value you at. Um, and, and if it's not good, you know, you can go find something else, but at the same time, usually the people that stick around and kind of hold their guns, um, it doesn't always work out because there's other forces, you know, does the organization do strong? Is mm. there an industry climate thing? But I've been really lucky to just kind of hold true to, to, to what I value. And, um, it's, it's paid off. I mean, I, I oversee, I oversee our entire BDR team. I oversee, uh, our new logo team and it's about 35 people total. I have four managers that help me oversee those 30 people. And man, it's a, it's a humbling feeling to think about Andrew Metz at 2008 to say, Hey, someday you're going to run a team of 35 people. You're going to have a VP title. I would have probably never believed you. So it's, <laughs> it's pretty humbling to think about, but, yeah. but there's a lot of gratitude that comes with that too. Yeah. I don't, I don't feel entitled to it. I feel very fortunate for it. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Congrats on, on all that. Um, and I love, I love, I think the mindset there is so powerful. The, cause again, I, I think about in my, my moments of stress, a lot of it comes from, and a lot of people my age, you know, that whole, you said, you mentioned social media and the mental health thing and yes. you know, the, all that stuff where it's like, it, we I definitely fall into that trap of feeling like I'm owed something, you know, mm -hmm. no matter what it is, um, somebody liking your post, somebody, you know, respecting this or that, or, or feeling like you should get this, like, and the moments when I feel like I'm doing my worst work is when I'm feeling like thinking about what I should get. Yes. The moments that I'm doing my best work, and you said this too in yours, which was, I started asking, how can I be the most valuable person here? Yes. Or if I'm going to, if I'm going to, you know, make content and if I'm going to, you know, put out podcasts and post on social medias, how can I give people the most value possible? Because if I do that, I can feel good about what I'm doing. And then I just totally. keep doing that on repeat rather than thinking, Oh, the world owes me this. Cause I, I follow that all the time and it's hard to not to, um, but it's, it's really powerful when you, when you hear someone else say it to you. So I'm getting a lesson right here in this conversation. Well, I, 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 one thing I'll say about social media and, you know, we all fall into the trap because we're posting content to get attention. But if you look at it, like I, I view it this way, I'm 36 years old. I've been a, you know, I'm a father of three. 
I've made mistakes. I've had some transformations. I manage a big sales team. You know, I just look at, I play guitar. I long jump kiddie pools, like just any goofy thing about me that makes me unique. That, that could be a value to someone. And if I put it out there and 10 people like it, so be it. I think some of my dopest content has had like shit for traction, <laughs> like 50 <laughs> likes. And then I think like one of my more kind of like gimmicky pieces. Um, I had, I had a picture of my daughter on my lap and I had a fake key or a keyboard that wasn't set up. And then I had my keyboard and I talked about like, here's a parenting hack for people that are working from home. It's like a month into COVID and it, it's got almost a million views, 30,000 likes. It's, it was featured in a blog and the blog just reached out to me two days ago and said, we're making a book from working from home. Can we use your image in the book? You know, it's like, it's so funny to me because like, where do I value that? And all the content I've put out like real low on the totem pole. I mean, my daughter's cute. Maybe that's why, but it's like, <laughs> but it's like, I don't think that's like the dopest thing I've ever done. But at the end of the day, if I just look at it, like, this is good, this might be helpful. Um, if it is great, if, if it never gets traction, so be it. And you just put it out into the, to the, to the, to the universe and you don't have expectations. It's expectations. If I would have put up this kiddie pool post this morning of me jumping this and gone, Oh man, if I don't get 300 likes, it's going to be a failure. It's like, who cares, man? It's, mm. it's so it's some of it's just like not taking myself too seriously. And, and the other thing is I don't have pressure with LinkedIn because I have a day job. Like I'm not trying to drive someone to my online course or do some coaching consulting. Like if opportunities like this for us to sit down, talk, work. That's awesome. I love that. If I get an opportunity to talk, if someone wants to do a call with me, if I get to jump on a podcast, like to me, this whole world's gravy because I got my day job too. So mm. I, but, but once again, that goes back to my expectations. I have no expectations. I'm going to have high expectations of myself. I'm going to try to put out good content because I want to be proud of what I'm doing, but I have no expectations of, of what, how other people are going to engage. And, and the reality is if people don't engage, it's not as good as you thought it was. That's just hard. That's just tough love. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. maybe you thought it was really good and it's not, maybe it is really good and just it didn't get picked up or didn't get the momentum or algorithm or whatever. Who cares? Like mm. it doesn't, it, it just doesn't matter that much. People get emotionally attached to likes and, and the dopamine hit of every five minutes, checking it, checking it, checking it, checking it. Mm. The, the other thing I'll just say is it's comparison. Comparison is bad. Yeah. Comparison will take you down a dark, like, if I compare myself to my friend Dylan Ali or, uh, you know, Q who's got 80,000 connections on LinkedIn or followers, like, well, I can't, he's on a different, he's balling on a different mm. level. He's got, he's got a whole different audience. Um, mm -hmm. if I just view that as, man, I could learn something from this dude. Um, and, and I, I truly like what he does mm. then that's great. Like then, you know, there's, there's something for me to get better, not, it's something for me to learn from, not for me to beat myself up over. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I mean, you, the comparison word's huge, right? I mean, actually over through quarantine took a, there was an online course from Yale. It was called the psychology or the science of well-being or psychology of well-being. Oh, nice. It's basically one of the most popular courses at Yale ever. And they released it to the public. It was pretty awesome. That's sweet. And they talked about how like happiness is a hundred percent relative. Like Yes. And I think one of the studies was people in a world where money's worth the exact same, people yes. would rather have $50,000 if everyone else was making $25,000 than $100,000 if everyone else was making $200,000. Like people would just rather have relative more. Yes. So you think about it because everyone, I mean, whether you're just someone who posts once a month about your friends drinking beer or you're someone who's making content every day, like everyone has that same feeling. Everyone will judge you know, and this is not, we're talking about social media, but like anything, everyone's going to judge their, right. Their car you drive or whatever, of yeah. what's around you. And, right. And it's such a dangerous thing. Cause I look at myself too. Right. And it's like, I'm 23 years old and I could look at, I think there's, you know, maybe two podcasters. I know my age that are killing it, just absolutely killing it. And I'll compare myself to them sometimes and be like, man, like, you know, they're killing it. And then I'll be like, wait a second. That's, two people of the like to get out of that hack i feel like it's perspective it's saying hold on but you you, you mentioned dialing and q you're like that's just two people right and if you're right. always like comparing yourself to that as opposed to saying well you know what i'm i'm still like doing more than a lot and even you're not doing more i'm still trying i'm still like 
And so to get out of that relativity, I feel like there's just perspective there. It's saying, hold on, wait a second. Let's not compare myself to like this because that's not a big percentage of the population. And let's not do this. And let's not do that. Like it, 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 once you step back out of it, I feel like it's easy to kind of see where your mind's playing tricks on you. Well, and I think, I think the other way to look at it is that's a, there's a scarcity mindset to go, man, if Q's got 80,000 followers and I only got 8,000, um, and by the way, that's probably too scale. That's probably pretty accurate. Like it doesn't, it doesn't mean there's any less for me. You know, that's an, that there's an abundance mentality to go, mm. damn, maybe if I learned something from Q and he has me on his podcast, maybe some of his audience follows my stuff, right? Mm. Like me and Dylan are actually speaking next month. We're speaking on stage and we're going to film it. And I'm stoked about that because we're boys and we've talked about talking together for a long time. And, um, there will be, there will, you know, if we use that content, there will be a cross marketing component. Cause there's a lot of people that love dialing stuff that don't know who I am. And there's a lot of people that I've worked with there in my network that don't know who dialing is. Right. So it's like, there's positives. It's like two plus mm -hmm. two does not equal zero. It equals four in that case. And so I always view it as it's, it's all good. Like I just, <laughs> I want to learn, I want to yeah. learn from this person. I'm not threatened by that. And I'm yeah. not, I don't feel bad for myself. I just view it as an opportunity for me to grow more. Yeah. And it's so powerful, right? Just the mindset of wanting to give like love and uh, support to others and wanting them to win instead of being jealous or, you know, angry totally. that you're not there. I mean, it's, it's a better way to live. It's a better way to manifest your reality for because sure. you're supporting them and you feel good about that. And you also know, Hey, if I do the work and if I do my thing, then it's going to come my way too if I just keep at it. And that actually goes back to what you said of like, you know, instant gratification is fool's gold, right? If you just try something and you want something else and so you leave over here and then you, you know, you might not ever really get anywhere because you're kind of running from the, the fact that you actually have to do the work. You actually have to. Yes. You know, I think it was. Hard um, stuff. <laughs> yeah. Have you heard of Humans in New York? The, the yes. guy who made that? I listened to his podcast once and he said, you know what I learned from traveling a lot of places is that most people who don't like where, where they live, it's not because of where they live. It's because of who they are. Mm. I think that's maybe that's the powerful. same for a lot of things. You know, obviously yeah. sometimes you, it really just might not be aligned, but I think there is value in sticking something out and truly understanding what about this do I not like, or what about this do I like, or what, you know, cause if you're just running and running and running or new city, new job, new place, right. you're never going to take those lessons. And you're always going to be the same person who's showing up in the same environments and who's getting the same results. And you're always going to be asking the same questions, having the same pain. And so it's, yeah, I just think it's, it's really powerful to actually, again, step back and reflect on that and be like, I got to stick this out. I got to keep learning here. Yes, no doubt. And I mean, like one of the things, so Dylan and I got an entry relationship because we we're kind of we're both confident who we are but one of the things that i've realized is um we live near each other and we hang out sometimes and we've done some work things together but then personal time too our kids go to the same school that's how we met and um one of the things that we both realize is there's nothing um we don't rely on each other. There's no, there's not like a power dichotomy where it's like, I'm trying to gain something from him. Or he's trying to, we just truly enjoy each other's presence. So like he got featured on this thing. It was, it was so, it was so sick. I've literally watched it like three times. It's a 15 minute thing. It's called young guns TV. It's like kind of his keynote condensed down. And I'm like, I could be like, damn, I want to be on that stage and I want that spot. But I would, I told him, I'm like, I'm your biggest fan, dude. Like I feel like, I feel like that's my guy. Like when I see it, I'm like, yep, that's my guy. Almost like we're a team, but we're not. But, but at the same time, it's cool to just come from a place of love where I'm just supporting him. And, and once again, together, may we create more opportunities through abundance as opposed to me trying mm -hmm. to drag him down or going, you're not good enough for that stage. I should be on that stage, right? That's not the right way to look at it. So mm -hmm. it's like, you, you nailed it. It's a better way to live. It's a, it's, it's a happier way to live. And, uh, there's a lot of bitter people in the world. You were talking about the Yale thing. One of the, one of the things that I talk a lot about is happiness. One, one of the best for, um, descriptions of happiness I've heard is happiness equals reality minus expectations. Hmm. And, and you talked about that. Like hmm. may, maybe it's not where you live. Maybe it's who you are. Right. But it's like your reality is your reality, but it's like, do I expect, 
do I, you know, if I live in a four bedroom house, am I expecting an eight bedroom house? Or do I compare this to the two bedroom house that my wife and I lived in prior? And I go, damn, this is, I feel so fortunate. We have a lot. We're, we're blessed. We're, we're fortunate, mm-hmm. you know, as mm-hmm. opposed to going, you know, I can run out my subdivision to houses that are twice the size and compare. Right. And it's kind of, kind of loops back to comparison, what we we're talking about, but happiness is a weird thing, man. I've seen a lot of people with a lot of things be unhappy. And, uh, I've traveled to Peru, uh, and, uh, we have, we had a, uh, a sister parish, um, and we have a family that we support here and I've seen where they live on dirt floors and tin roofs and they're happy as hell. And mm. that will mess with your mind to go, how yeah. is that possible? Because here in America, we've quantified having the American dream and driving a Lexus and having a four bedroom house in the suburbs is happiness. Yet there's mm. a lot of people that are depressed in that setting. <laughs> yeah. It's dude. I mean, it, you said it, man. It's yeah. I, Cause I, uh, a lot of my listeners know I was in Thailand and I spent six months oh, nice. there and I had the same thing. I was like, man, this has got to be simpler than we're making it. Like it's, yes. it's, got, it's got, it's gotta be right. It's and, right. Well, I think we keep wrapping things around us that we think will make us happy. I, yeah. I used to drive a Camry. Now I drive a Lexus, but you know what? I'm kind of, that didn't, that didn't move the needle. You know what mm. I'm saying? Yeah. Like, as an example, it's like, um, having more things, having shinier things around you, we think it's going to make us happier. Mm. Um, and I think a lot of people that, you know, you're having these conversations 23 years old, it's, it's spectacular, man. Like you have great perspective. The sooner you could figure out that that's not going to make you happy, the quicker you're going to get to what actually makes you happy. Mm. And that's the self-esteem thing. That's the, it doesn't matter how much money I make, what my title is, whatever. If I can look at myself in the mirror, in the hotel room by myself and go, I'm proud of you as cheesy as that sounds, it feels pretty damn good. That's yeah. a good place to be in. And I can give a lot more when I'm in that, when I'm in that mindset. Yeah. Yeah, dude, totally. And so I know this is going to be a, uh, you know, obviously everyone's got a different answer to this, but we're talking about the American dream and the dream life. And, you know, for you, what do you, what do you think as of right now? Cause I think this will probably change, but for, as of right now, like, what do you think that looks like? Like a, Andrew Metz dream life, you know, what, what do you think that entails? I think I want, I think about like my funeral and, and how many people I can impact. And I think about having three children and trying to raise good people. Um, I think about trying to leave, you know, I don't, I want to use the word legacy, but it's like, just making an impact, making a positive impact. Like someone that I haven't talked to in five years, but maybe I, they were in my world or I worked with them or whatever. Or I lived by them, you know, for three years. Like when they think of me, do they go, yeah, that was great. That guy helped or he listened or whatever. That, and just try mm-hmm. to create more and more connections like that. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's what LinkedIn's provided is just meeting cool people. Here we are. We're talking right here. I did a podcast with my, my now friend, Luke West up in Canada. It's like, how do we, how do, how do, how do my paths cross with that guy? If I'm not out there posting stuff on LinkedIn. Hmm. So it's like, you gotta be able to put yourself out there. But I think a lot about how do people feel about their interactions with me on a maybe professional or personal level. But then also I think about how do I create that type of mentality for my three children? Because you know, a lot of, a lot of my transformation and things I've reflected on came when I started to have children. And now you think about life beyond your own life and mm. how are you going to positively impact and, and just bear the weight of, of, uh, the responsibility of having, you know, human beings that are dependent for you. It's kind of freaky just saying it, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> but it's cool, but it's a responsibility too. Yeah. Yeah. Man, that's cool. It sounds like a lot of your answers are really just about giving, impacting, sending love. And then like to tie back to the beginning, like you said, lead by example and be a person you're proud of, right? If you do that, taking care of yourself, your body, your habits, and then you can give even more. And it's a, it's a self-fulfilling loop. It allows you You give to yourself, you give to others and you can, that's what I love about personal development, man. I feel like if I grow, like you said, when you, when you quit alcohol or when you run a marathon, 
you're bettering yourself, but you know, I mean, you don't do it for that, but you know, deep down that someone's going to see that and also kind of be like, huh, like maybe I should start running or huh, maybe I should. And it's, it's just one of those things that it feels good because it's, it's, it serves two purposes. You get to grow, they get to grow and the whole world keeps growing together. And it's, <laughs> it's an awesome well, thing. I, man. I think, yeah. And like you said, that's not why you do it, but I know for sure there's three people that live in my house that are looking at everything I do. So that's enough of a reason right there. You know, I mean, my kids right. see me train, they see me run. My wife drops me off at, you know, 10 mile remote places. <laughs> my kids see me get <laughs> dropped off. And then two hours later, they see me come home, you know, things like that. But that's all impressionable. They, they know, you know, I, I kind of want them to think dad's a badass. That's part of it. That's part of my motivation. But the yeah. real thing is I want them to know that if you want something, it's okay to be patient and go try and you might fail. But if you, if you want some, you got to put in that work. Cause when I, when I cross that marathon line on October 4th, my kids are going to be there. Cause I want them to see all this, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah, they're yeah. seeing the, the work, but I want them to see what that's like, you know, to, to go, to have that accomplishment. Um, and, and that, that is leading by example is physically doing it. Yeah, man. And I love that. I absolutely love that. And like you just said, I mean, and I think this is where people my age get caught in a trap because it's, we want the whole world to like us. Uh, we want to be accepted by everyone and to, you know, change the world. But sometimes it's just about the people around you, man. Are, are, are yes. you showing them love? Are you, are you, uh, you know, being the best self for them, being your best self for them. And, uh, you know, if, if that's, if that's what you're doing at the bare minimum, then I think you're doing a good job with life. So, I think that's awesome, man. Um, all right, man. Well, we're getting close to three here. Um, I got a question for you to kind of give listeners something to think about. Um, I like to have the guests just say a call to action or something to think about or a reflection piece for the listeners so they can take something from this in interview and kind of put change into their own life or make reflection on their own experience here on earth. Um, if you don't like, the chapter you're in, you could start a new one tomorrow. Don't wait for someone to go tell you, ask you, you need to empower your own self to go make the change and think about how that's going to feel one week from now, a month from now, a year from now. And if, if you feel like that puts you in a better spot, there's nothing stopping you from changing right now. All right, everybody, thanks for listening to another episode of the Dreamology podcast. I hope that you took something away from this episode. I know I learned a lot from Andrew, and I'd recommend writing down the number one thing you took away. Whenever we write things down, we remember them more and we think about them more. So write down the biggest lesson, the biggest takeaway you have from this episode. And if you want to, share with me. I love seeing people's takeaways. Share it on social media, DM me, uh, whatever you got to do. But it's always helpful if we write down those big takeaways and we think about them because they'll stick with us more on our journey. And so with that being said, like Andrew said, you know, be someone you're proud of. If there's a part about your life that you don't like, you can change it tomorrow. And really for a lot of us young people out there uh, who are impatient and want the world to give them everything they want right now, remember that sometimes it's important to ask ourselves not what does the world owe us, but what do we owe the world? How can we serve the world in bigger and better ways? So with all that being said, let's get out there. Let's make our dreams a reality and let's be the change that this world needs. I'll see y'all next time.